Welcome to First Baptist Wiley. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or give online at fbw.church. Hey, faith family and friends, Pastor Chris. We're in our second week of our series entitled Love. And last week we talked about God's love for us. And this week uh, we're going to turn our attention toward the home. Because if there's one place on the planet that we ought to find love and experience love, it ought to be in our homes. Now, I want to be very quick to say that I know that homes have changed drastically in the last, really, 25, 30 years. And so I know that some folks, you know, you're maybe a single adult and and you uh, have chosen to to live single, and that is great. That's your home. Uh, It could be that you're a single mom, single dad. Uh, Maybe that happened through a multiplicity of different ways in your life, but you find yourself in that place. Um, I know there's a lot of grandparents that are raising grandchildren as their children. Uh, I know there's a lot of families that have come together that are blended. Uh, I know there's a lot of families that uh, come from, they have some of their own children, they have adopted children, you foster children. So I understand that the home uh, is, is radically different many times than what we find portrayed in the scriptures. However, I want to go to God's Word today, and I want to show you some principles in His Word about the home. Because we have to remember that God's ideal, as He set up the home, was uh, was the quote-unquote nuclear family. And when you think about just the wisdom of God, think about this. When you go back into the book of Genesis, you know, before God instituted anything else on this planet, before He even instituted the church, before certainly before government, Uh, God instituted the home. In fact, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, it says this about the man and the woman, about Adam and Eve. It says, And therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You know, this marriage ought to be the place where shame goes to die, where we ought to be able to be free and we ought to be truly our highest and greatest expressions of ourselves within the confines of a home. And I mean, here's what I've come to realize. You know, I live in an area where, um, like much of the United States today, where the real estate market is just absolutely blowing up. I mean, where we used to have cows, now we have just rows and rows of houses. And it feels like with every week that uh, we just see houses just popping out of the ground. But there's a big difference between a house and a home. In fact, what turns a house into a home is love. And as we unpack God's Word today, I want to give you the Word as a member of your family that's going to help you in your home love the way that God would have us to love. You know, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, you go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. In Ephesians, chapter 5, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to kind of intro something for you, and then we're going to get to the meat of the text. So, But let me read these verses for you, but just by way of clarification. Uh, it says in verse 5 of chapter 5 in Ephesians, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Isn't that true? The one thing that we can't produce more of is time. We can produce, man, we can go work hard, make more money. Um, we, we, can, we can do all kinds of things, but we cannot. There's one thing we cannot manufacture. We cannot factor, manufacture more time. It says, and therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the, Lord, the will of the Lord is. So uh, right here, Paul is telling this church at Ephesus, a church that he spent about three years at, a church that he loves. He goes, hey, man, you don't have a lot of time. And since you don't have a lot of time, know what God's will is. And here's God's will. 
He says, and don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So what he's saying is don't be filled with spirits, but be filled with the Spirit. And he goes on and he says this, because these are the byproducts of a life that's full of the Spirit. He says this, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what that means is this, is that it is going to change the way that we speak to people. So when we're full of the Spirit, we're just going to change the way we talk. He says, singing, making melody with the Lord in your heart. So there's going to be worship. We're going to worship the Lord just innately. It's just going to happen. Uh, and then it says this, and giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're full of the Spirit, changes your tongue, there's worship. And look at this, there's gratitude. You know, we are thankful. We, we look at life more for what we have and, and as opposed to what we don't have. And then this last one, though, and this is what sets up our message today. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So one of the attributes of a person, a, a dad, a mom, children in a home that are filled with the Spirit is that there's this submission that occurs. Because let's be honest, none of us like to submit. We like to be in charge. We like autonomy. We want to be the boss. I mean, we come out of the womb and we seek our independence from day one. And, and so what, this, what happens in this, in this letter, Paul goes straight out of this thing about being full of the Spirit and this submission, and then he gets specific to people in the home. And so I got one point to drive home with you today, and it's simply this. Turn your house into a home. Say it with me. Turn your house into a home. As we think about turning our houses into homes, everybody in the family has a word. And so notice the word for wives. Now, ladies, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, this is not going to be popular in the culture. It is so not going to be popular. In fact, the word for wives is this word to submit. Now, notice what it says in verse 22. Uh, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church his body, and he himself is its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wow, you talk about an unpopular verse today is this one. Why? You know, we live in a culture today where we are so confused about who is who and what is what. We are so confused by our gender roles that it used to just be in an emotional or a practical sense. Now it's even becoming a physical or physiological sense. Um, the word submission, let me just tell you this, is it's, it's a military term. Uh, it's a really great word. And, and here's why it's a great word, because it's this military term that describes order. You know, in, in the military, there are, there's a ranking system. And the way the military keeps its order is that people keep to their ranks. Now, here's what's imperative that you understand, okay? Feminism and, and all that has come out in the last 50 years with the whole women's movement has eroded what I would tell you is biblical womanhood and manhood. In fact, um, what's sad about this is men and women are equal on the side of God, but they are made differently. This word has nothing to do um, <clears throat> with anything other than order. Here's where this is going to become difficult for some. 
If you grew up in a home or you've been around women who are kind of take charge, which there's nothing wrong with assertive women as long as they understand this role. Because you see, here's the thing. Um, I remember doing a wedding years ago. And as I, this couple came to the altar and literally they were on the very stage I preach in every weekend. And as they made their way to that altar, um, I remembered that the mother of the bride happened to also be the matron of honor, which I thought was very odd because most of the time moms just want to sit on the front row and they just want to cry as they watch their daughter go to the stage. But this mom wanted to be the matron of honor. Maybe they had this really close bond. I don't know, more power to them, whatever. And so as I'm standing there and, you know, we present the bride and I'm doing my thing as the pastor, I'll never forget, I'm using this text. And I'm talking to this young lady. I'm about to talk to this young man because, man, I'll get to you next. And and basically, I said, there's this word, you know, the Bible has for women in the home, and it's called, it's the word submission. And the mom of this girl laughed out loud audibly. Like, it, it was so awkward, you know, to the point that literally I go, you okay? You have a problem? And she was like, uh, 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 no. But here's my point on that. If you grew up in a home where, you know, it was kind of like, well, my mom always wears the pants. Listen to you, I'm not dogging her mom. I'm just telling you something. One of the reasons we struggle in our homes is because we have women that want to have roles that God didn't intend. And we also have men that in many cases have forsaken roles that they should assume. And so this word, this word submission, here's what I want you to know. If you're taking notes, jot this down. It's not inferiority. Um, it has nothing to do with inferiority. In fact, some of the most capable people I know, the most capable leaders I know, the smartest people, the most industrious people on the planet I know are ladies, okay? So it has nothing to do with inferiority. Uh, the reality is this, by being a woman or being a man, you're just simply different. And this is just simply um, not a question of, of your value. It, it, it has everything to do with order. Notice this, submission is not absolute, um, you should never, if you're being led by your husband, you should never break a, 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 a higher law by submitting to a lower law, right? This is true in government. This is true in the home. So if your husband were to want you to do something nefarious or illegal or something of that nature, you should never submit to that. Because let me tell you something. Jesus never makes his bride submit to anything that is anything above holiness, okay? Um, notice this. Submission is not abuse. It's not abuse, no woman should ever put up with mental, physical, sexual abuse on any level. And what I would say to you is if that is happening in your life, uh, if you're here in our local faith family, you need to reach out to us because we need to help you, okay? If you're outside our area, contact us at info at fbw.church because we want to help you as well. So I think submission has gotten such a bad rap because it's been abused and, and it's been redefined and, and it's been made something that it's truly not. No, see, submission is just about order. And why do we do this? Like, why would a wife do this? Here's why a wife would do this. Because it says right there in the scriptures, right, as fitting to the Lord. It is fitting to the Lord, as unto the Lord. So understand, when you're a wife and you submit to your husband's leadership, you're really not really even trusting your husband. You are trusting the Lord. You are putting your faith in him by trusting your husband. 
And some of you may say, you just don't understand. My husband's an idiot. I mean, he can't make, he couldn't lead us down a one-way street. And all I would say to you is, you picked him, okay? Uh, like, last time I checked, like, people aren't getting uh, married and we're trading, like, oxen and sheep for women anymore, okay? So, however you ended up married, right, you chose him, right? So, here's the deal. You now know that this, when God puts you together with this person, he puts you together with this person, what? So you, that person can help you be made more into the image of Jesus. And part of that is going to be this, this act of submission because it goes on and it says this, and likewise, wives, be, be, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, check this out. Here's the other thing I'd tell you, ladies. And men, you need to pay attention to this. Women are supposed to submit to their own husband, not every husband, okay? Not every man, okay? Um, so women, you, you, you should. You should, man, you should live your life. You should definitely live out the gifts, the calls that God's put upon your life, and you're not subjected in any way, shape, or form to some other man. And you're not subjected to your husband. You're submissive. And, and some of you live in homes where your spouse doesn't know Christ. And it says right here that, that as you live in proximity of Him and you demonstrate what Jesus looks like, then look at this. Your spouse uh, can be one to Jesus. So the word, if you're going to create love in a home, if we're going to turn a house into a home for wives, is submission. You see, turn your house into a home. Uh, in fact, say it with me. Turn your house into a home. Here's the word for husbands. And it's the word love. Now, here's what is fascinating. Um, when you read this text, first off, you're going to notice it's twice as long, men, than what was said to women. And I think there's a reason for that. Why? We don't listen that well, okay? We get hard-headed. And the thing about it is this. The leadership of the home is incumbent upon us. And so he has like two, thing, two times as many things to say to people like you and me who are husbands. He says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Now, here's what I find fascinating. We are instructed as men to love our wives. In fact, love should be cultivated in our home by the men. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's the women. I mean, at Christmas time, it's always the, you know, it's the Hallmark Channel, right, that, that is always making these movies, these love stories for movies and uh, at Christmas. And, and obviously, culture just floods women with this idea of romance. And, and, and the reason for that is, and I think what's so fascinating, is because every woman wants to be loved. And, and, and so for women, it's this idea of submission, but for men, it's this idea of love. Now, I would tell you this, when we're talking about love right here, the word that's used right here is not the word eros. It's not the word that's romantic and, you know, we're going to have, you know, rose petals to the bedroom and we're going to have candles and all this stuff. I mean, hey, I'm not saying that it's not, there's not a place for that as well. 
But what he's really talking about here is this agape love. It's this love that says it, it's selfless, it's continuous. It says, I want your highest and I want your best. And agape love is this. It, it, it's based on a covenant that we have with God. And when we get married, we have a covenant. And it's not based on our performance. It's, it's based on the fact that we are committing uh, to love this person. And so here's what I find interesting. In this text, it's only men that are commanded to love their wives. What does love look like? Well, I mean, based on what I just read in that scripture, I mean, and it, I mean a, a man gives his highest and best for a woman. Uh, in fact, notice what it says right here in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says this, Likewise, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of grace and life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, part of, of, of loving, part of being a husband that demonstrates love, and, I, and let's just be honest, men, we all going to struggle with this a little bit because men are just a little bit rough around the edges. You know, I'm the first to admit that I I, I can be insensitive at times. Uh, don't know if it happens to you, happens to me. And, and the thing about this, it says this, that men, we're supposed to live with our wives in an understanding way as a weaker vessel. Now, women, don't be offended by that because that word weak, weakness there isn't weakness as in you don't have strength. Um, when I was growing up, we had two different kinds of, of dishes that we used at my house. We had our everyday dishes. And uh, they were, you know, they were just what we threw in the dishwasher and we, that kind of stuff. And they would, you know, they would break and we'd just go buy another one. It wasn't a big deal. But then we had the china. The china we only pulled out a couple times a year, right? We pulled that out at Thanksgiving, Easter, maybe some other kind of event during the year. But I mean, really and truly, most of the time it was in the, in the hutch and we just walked by it and we looked at it. Here's the thing about real china. Real china, like a real uh, porcelain or china plate, has incredible tensile strength. Like you can put large sums of weight on a plate it, that would crack a normal plate in your cupboard. A, a, a china plate, you can put lots and lots. You can stack it heavy. And check this out. That's the way women really are. I mean, women are, you're amazing. I mean, man, you're running families and you have kids. Like, you birth children. Like, I'm just telling you right now, if the men were having to birth children, there would be like four people on the planet, okay, because we would not go through all that. And, and, and so women have this incredible, incredible tensile strength. But notice this, they chip easy because you can chip China very, very easily. And so he says right here, so one of the ways that we demonstrate love in our home is, is this, is that we... We, we intentionally live in such a way that we don't chip them, right? We don't, we don't hurt them because sometimes it's that crass word. And I, I can't tell you how many times across my years in marriage I've had to apologize for the things I've said, the insensitive I've had. And, 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 and then it goes on and it says this down in, in there, if I remind you in verse 25 and 27, it says, And husbands love your wives of Christ of the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of the, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Um, notice this. A uh, couple things. One, if we love our wives, one, we're not going to be harsh. We're not going to chip them. But, but here's this, this other thing. I think this is so, so good. We're going to sacrifice for them. Like, as Christ gave himself up. So well, here's what ought to happen. There ought to be some things 
because of you're married to your spouse that they can do and they're able to accomplish because you sacrifice so they can do that. You know, that, that they're able to achieve dreams that they couldn't have achieved without you. Why? Because you're going to give them the ability to do that. You know, maybe that's the emotional support. Maybe that's the financial ability. Maybe that's just the time and the freedom. Like, you're going to do that. And here's the other part. We're never going to defile them. We're not going to introduce into our homes, and we're certainly not going to introduce to our wives anything that would bring them a spot or a blemish because Jesus doesn't do that in his home and in the way he deals with us. And so you see that, that really when a man loves a woman this way, when a woman submits to a man, don't you see the mutual submission? I mean, right there in verse 21, it says submitting to one another out of reverence. So yeah, while men are, you should lead. And yeah, men, you've been tasked with the, with the charge of being the head of the house. At the same time, when you love in this way, I mean, this is submission. And I can't imagine a woman who not, would not want to respond in this kind of way. And so when you think about it, right, if we're going to turn our houses into homes, women's going to have to submit, and then men, what? Men, we've got to love. But there's also a word for children. Now, I just want to be clear on something. You do understand the way this is supposed to work. I know it doesn't always, and God forgives and all this kind of stuff, but a man and a woman meet, they get married, they have children. So notice the order of this. The man and the woman meet, and then they have children. Okay, uh, here's what's fascinating. You do realize, Mom and Dad, that you invited the children into your relationship, not the other way around, right? Because what it feels like in the culture in which we live, and I get it, man. I love my kids. Believe me, I, I try to take care of my kids, provide for my kids, all those things for my kids, just like all you do. But here's the thing about it. If you're not careful... And I think this has happened in America. The, the, the newest American idol is to become children. If you don't believe me, just look around our culture and look at all the opportunities that we have for children. Look at the billions of dollars we spend every year on the arms, the legs, the, uh, the, the dance, the you know whatever it is that our kid's into. And then look at how the culture has just blown it up. I mean, truly, our culture celebrates children in a way like never before, okay? Now, there's a pro and con to that. I mean, it's great that we, we value our kids, but we're also putting a lot of undue pressure on our children. I'll just say it like that. But all that being said, um, you got to remember that, Mom and Dad. But then children, there is a word for you, and this word is so unpopular in your culture, and it's the word obey, because in Ephesians 6, it says these words. And you better pay attention if you're a kid listening to this, okay? You better pay attention, especially, well, if you want to live a long time. Notice this. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, let me just say this to all, any kid listening. How many of you want life to go well for you? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, who doesn't want to go well for you? And how many of you want to live a long time? Now, let me say this. You better honor, you better obey your parents. See that word, the, the word children right here is this great Greek word. It means techna. And, and the thing about it is this. In the Bible, we only see really two forms of people. We see children and adults. There's no adolescence. 
we've created a specifically in American culture this thing called adolescence. And what adolescence is, is you're not really an adult, you're not really a child, so it's just this period of time that we've almost allowed people just to be, boys will be boys and girls will be girls, y'all just be stupid, okay? And, and then, you know, eventually you'll, 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 you'll get out of it. This is why in our culture we have literally kids who act and function like children through their 20s now. Because here's, here's how you know you've reached adulthood, all right? You've reached adulthood when you can physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially support yourself. So hear me, if you're dependent on your parents in any of those ways, you are not an adult. But what? Yes, I am. I'm 21. No, 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 no. You could be a adult, but you're not an adult, okay? So for, for some of you kids... And, and, and I'm talking to some of you kids because you're still dependent on your parents and you're eight. And I'm talking to some of you who are dependent on your parents and you may be 28. Okay? You better be paying attention on this. Because he says, obey. And that word there is this. It's a continuous obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. And here's what you need to recognize. The downside of this is pretty significant. One, it's a shortened lifespan. Did you see that? I mean, it says that do this so that you may, what, live a long life. Exodus 20, 12 says this, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth and that the Lord your God is giving you. Like, this is no threat. This is just what it says. Like, if you want to live a long life, like sometimes we wonder, man, I just couldn't believe that person died so young. I just can't believe that person's life is so snuffed out. Hey, man, I would say this. You should, uh, you should really go back and investigate. Did they obey their parents? Like, I, I, if the Bible's true, and I believe it is, I'm going to heed that. So when I was growing up, I'll just tell you this. I obey my parents. Why? I want to live a long life. Man, I hope I do. I've tried my best to honor them the best way and obey them as I could. Um, missed wisdom. Missed wisdom. Hey, when you don't listen to your parents, you miss their wisdom Honor your parents. Obey your parents. The word honor means this, by the way, to speak well of them. It's like you should never be out with your friends going, my mom's so dumb. My dad, he's just an idiot. Because let me tell you something, that doesn't honor your parents. What you should do, and you say, but I got bad parents. Hey, if you got bad parents, the best way you can honor them, just don't say nothing. You, you want to honor your because because here's the thing. When you obey your parents, okay, you got to understand something. Um uh, you're obeying really somebody bigger. We'll get there in a minute. But you miss their wisdom. Like, you understand the only reason your parents made it to adulthood, adulthood as an old person is because when they were a young person, they survived all the stupidity that they had when they were your age, okay? Right here, Proverbs 1, 8 9, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What he's saying right there is you should glean from the wisdom of the people who've been stupid before you, okay? Because it will save you pain. And notice this, there's also some severe consequences if you don't. I mean, you know, things won't go well for you. <laughs> like, I want things to go well in my life. When I was younger, I was dependent on my parents, I wanted things to go well. So even though I didn't always agree, I went along, why? You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 30, 17? The eye that plucks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley eaten by the vultures. I don't know, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. Now, may that happen to you practically? No, but I can tell you this, you can deal with a lot of pain in your life when you don't obey your parents. And, and ultimately, why do you do this? Because it says, children obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. 
It's always right to obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that may go well with you and that you may live in the land. You see, um, whenever you and I do this, it pleases the Lord. God puts you in the family He puts you in. You think about this. There's 330 million people running around. uh, No, excuse me. uh, Sorry, 330 million people in America, about 7.2, 7.3 billion on the planet. God dropped you in the house He dropped you in. And don't you realize He puts you there for a reason. God intended for you to learn lessons about Him by obeying your parents in whatever the context of that home is. You see, we got to turn our houses into homes. Say with me, turn our houses into homes. So the word for wives is submission. The word for husbands is love. The words for children is obey. But the, love, the word for parents is the word nurture. Because these parents who have these children, you know, they've now got to parent these children. And I'll just say this, as a guy who's, you know, uh, closer to the end of parenting his kids than anything else, uh, kids don't come with a handbook except this one handbook right here. And it says this in verse 4 in Ephesians 6, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, that, that word there, um, patres, means parents. Um, you got to realize Paul was speaking into a culture when people were very harsh to their children. When children were not very much respected, honored, they weren't really nurtured, protected, all those kinds of things. Um, and, and so he, this is such a countercultural command in Paul's day. But I do think that while we definitely protect children as a culture better than we ever have, we see the harsh things done to, ch- to children. You know, you, you can always tell the character of a country by how they treat the youngest, most vulnerable, and the weakest in that culture. And when you look at the fact that we do have things like human trafficking, when you do hear these stories about parents who've literally prostituted their children or done these horrible things to them, children from themselves, or they allowed them to be done by others. I mean, friends, you know, we have a high and holy privilege uh, as parents to, to parent children the way that God has called us to do it. And it says this, don't provoke. Uh, the word, that word provoke there is don't exasperate. Um, don't nag. Don't stir up. Um, don't pick on. Now, I got to be honest with you. Me and my own daughter would probably tell you I pick on her all the time. I always say I kid because I care, all right? Um, and if I quit kidding, I don't care. But, I, but, but the truth is we have to be careful. Like we, we don't need to provoke. It says don't provoke them into anger. Like don't, don't do things that you know are going to intentionally do that. And sometimes, I, let's just be honest, moms and dad, things that we think are funny our kids don't think are funny. Uh, they take personal. You know, one of the things I've, I've learned with my own daughter is, like, um, you know, she's really into K-pop. Like, she loves K-pop. And I'll be honest with you, I don't understand K-pop. I really don't, you know. Um, but here's what I, and I would always give her a hard time. And I would always make up things and whatever and you know, pick on bands and all this kind of stuff. And one day she just said to me, she said, Dad, I really like this. And when you do that, it really hurts my feelings. But really, I started noticing it made her mad. She goes, but it hurts my feelings. And I realized something, like if I love my daughter, right, I'm going to quit picking on her. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, you know, I can take a joke on some stuff. And there's certain things I probably can't take a joke on too. And so I thought, you know what, so I'm going to quit doing that. So I have. So you know what I actually have done? I've actually tried to start showing that I have some interest in that because I want my daughter to know that I love her. It's not that I'm so much interested in that music, 
as much as I'm interested in her. Because here's the thing, it says because they become discouraged. You know, you've seen defeated, lifeless, beat down children. And how does that happen? How does that happen in a home? Um, I, let me just give you a list, okay? There's, there's a few ways that we discourage our children. We suck the confidence away from our children. One is sometimes we're overprotective. Um, whenever we, sometimes we have such lawnmower parents, we've mowed down every obstacle for our kids that literally um, our kids feel like they can't do anything themselves. They have no confidence. How does a child lose heart? Favoritism. When you're in a home and it's obvious you have a favorite, um, man, I can just tell you right now, it's going to create problems. It did with Jacob and Esau. Um, expectations. Man, we have such high expectations. We expect our kids to do this. We expect our kids. Hey, man, our, we should challenge our kids. We should push our kids. But guess what? Not everybody is going to be a Rhodes Scholar, and not everybody's going to be a professional athlete. And we got to just love our children where they are. Affectionless. We never hug them. We never tell them we love them. Deprivation. We withhold things from them. Comparisons are always going, well, you're not like this person or you're not like that person. It discourages a kid. Neglect. We just kind of leave them alone. Obviously, some sort of abuse. But another way that we discourage our children is this laxity. We just give them the freedom to do whatever they want. No, it says this, raise them up in the in the, in the discipline of the Lord. Um, you and I are supposed to let our children understand that disciples are, there's discipline to discipleship. You know, friend, as we close today, here's what I would just say. If we wanna change America, we wanna change the world, we should change the home. And the way that we change the home is, it, it, is, is we change your home. And you can't be responsible for the home next door, and you can't be, but you can be responsible for your home. So wives, submit, men, love, children, obey, parents, nurture. And you know what? God will turn your house into a home. Let me pray for you. If you need us, uh, reach out to us at info at fbw.church. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified in all of our homes, that our homes may be uh, a mini sanctuary of worship unto you, and that, Father, you would do what only you can do. You would take the sticks and bricks of a house and turn it into a home. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.